From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. Gary Kurt bought his first home when he was still in high school, an investment that launched what would become a 50-plus year career in mortgage banking. After stints with Conservative Mortgage and Midwest Federal, Kurt purchased Minneapolis-based Bell Mortgage, then known as the David C. Bell Investment Company, in 1980. He's credited with growing the 100-year-old business into the largest privately owned mortgage company in the Midwest, with nearly $2 billion in annual closings. Kurt stayed on as an advisor after Fargo, North Dakota-based State Bank and Trust acquired Bell in 2011. Now retired and focused largely on volunteer work, Kurt joined an elite group recently when the Minnesota Bankers Association inducted him into its Pioneer Banking Club, which recognizes Minnesota bankers for 50 years or more of industry leadership. In the following interview, Kurt talks with reporter Brian Johnson about his long journey in the mortgage banking industry from precocious homebuyer to Pioneer Club member. Well, thank you, Gary. I'm pleased to be joined by Gary Kurt, um, a recently inductee um, of the Minnesota Bankers Association's Pioneer Banking Club. And uh, this membership denotes a Minnesota banker who has been a leader in the industry for 50 years or more. So, um, well, congratulations on a good, long, successful career in the banking industry. And thanks, thanks for so much, Brian. Right, it's been a very good run. Yeah. Well, why don't we start out by if you could fill in our listeners and our readers just on uh, how it all started for you and how you got interested in this as uh, in banking as a career. Sure. I uh, was in uh, when I was in high school. I did a lot of buying and selling and fixing of cars, and uh, that actually evolved into buying some some houses while I was in high school, and. And just after I graduated, I uh, went to sell one of the houses and I had kind of expected I'd go into real estate uh, as a real estate agent because I'm very interested in in real estate. I uh, sold a house and went to the closing and at the closing table, the, the lender asked me to sign an affidavit that I was legal age and I was only 18. So uh, we couldn't actually close on the property because I, I couldn't pass title. And the, the sale kind of died right there at the table. So kind of at that point, I decided if, if I'm going to be in the real estate world, I'd much rather be on the lending side and possibly get people more prepared for what's, what's to come from a lender's perspective. That lender back the IDS mortgage, which is long gone, of course. Uh, but that's what pretty much uh, I decided right then and there that it was mortgage banking that I'd like to get into or some type of real estate finance. Uh, it was kind of hard in, in 1970 to get an interview without a, any college at all, but eventually I uh, met, worked, and, and uh, was able to get a job as a loan officer trainee at a company called Conservative Mortgage Company. Mm-hmm. Kind of a u- unique name for back then. They, they're more concerned about a reputation to the secondary market, 
and conservative denoted uh, good solid writing. Nowadays, the real estate industry would not be too interested in working with a company called conservative, I'm sure. So um, yeah. that, that's basically what uh, converted me from the idea of becoming a real estate agent to getting into the mortgage finance arena. Okay. And I understand you uh, purchased Bell Mortgage in 1980. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, I was with conservative for 10 years and uh, a, a kind of a mentor of mine, Ken Rothschild, who was second generation mortgage banker in St. Paul that had Rothschild financial company. Uh, I didn't know Ken and Ken called me and indicated he had just purchased what was then called the David C. Bell Investment Company. And he serviced, he purchased it primarily to acquire the servicing portfolio uh, of the loans that they had acquired, uh, but had no interest in the retail platform, which, because uh, he already had a large retail mortgage banking firm. So I uh, bought uh, the, the name and, and the licenses and everything that uh, the old David C. Bell Investment Company had in 1980, uh, recruited some uh, loan officers I'd worked with over the years and a really good support staff. And that's kind of the way we started. Uh, we shortened the name to Bell Mortgage from David C. Bell Investment Company pretty much in its, in its 100th birthday. It was founded in 1880 and we purchased it in 1980. Wow. Well, tell us a little bit about the growth of the company and uh, kind of the growth trajectory from 1980 to where, where you are today with the, the sure. Well, and as I was looking into the real estate industry, I learned the first three rules about real estate is location, location, location. Certainly to build a company, it didn't take me long to learn the first three rules are people, people, people. So we really went and looked for the highest standard of people that, that wanted to embrace kind of a new way of doing mortgage lending. We were somewhat of a disruptor back then because we were kind of had a blank canvas as to how the real estate community might be better served. So we actually went out into the real estate community, talked with realtors and builders and asked them uh, to refer their buyers to us. And rather than waiting, uh, most realtors would bring uh, their client to a, a bank or a savings and loan. And it was kind of inconvenient for the borrowers, but many of them had to take time off of work. Uh, our loan officers and myself, we would take loan applications on the weekends. We would do it at lunch hour at their place of work. So we really added a convenience factor. And another thing that kind of made Bell a disruptor back then is we weren't in business to establish a large servicing portfolio. We were in business to generate great, really good service to the industry and, and generate uh, fee income up front by selling the servicing. So we kind of patterned our business model after the, the uh, insurance industry. I mean, insurance brokers have been around for a long, long, long time, a lot longer than mortgage brokers. But mortgage brokerage was pretty much pioneered in, in the early 1980s and Bell was really at the front side of it. The, the revenue that we we're able to generate up front allowed us to hire and bring some really good salespeople. Uh, our industry evolved much like the real estate industry where our salespeople were pretty much on straight commission. And uh, if you're really good at what you do, you, you do really well and uh, to sell the, by selling the servicing and generating the fees and the income necessary to pay the top salespeople. And we just kept building and building. You know, it's amazing how fast time goes. Uh, yeah. But we just, uh, I say I've been in the business for, for 50 years, but actually that's 600 end of the months, our 
whole is is the end of the month to it's kind of super bowl for our, our entire mortgage team at the end of each month mm -hmm. well how many offices do you have and uh, what, what locations do you serve in the well yes uh, uh, prior to my sale of the company to state bank and trust out of fargo we would probably have about 22 24 offices between minnesota and uh, phoenix arizona now, uh, since State Bank purchased Bell, uh, and I've stayed on in a consulting role, but I'll bring that up this year. Um, gosh, I can't even count the number of offices in a number of states. Uh, but we're rapidly through the bank channel now. We're now owned by uh, what's referred to now as Bell Bank. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, got a great uh, ambitious goal of, of uh, expanding the mortgage banking platform. Uh, State Bank found that by acquiring Bell Mortgage in 20, well, 2011, basically. Um, they acquired 150 salespeople that really had big networks that had been working in the business community here for many, many years and really helped build the bank more rapidly than it might have by just uh, coming into the marketplace. Well, a lot has changed since uh, 1980, certainly when you uh, purchased Bell Mortgage. Uh, what, I, it was a whole different market then, wasn't it? What are some well, of the things that you can touch on as far as the... Well, it wasn't brilliant timing because rates peaked at about almost 18% mm -hmm. in 1981. Uh, it was just an incredibly difficult uh, time period uh, in all lending and certainly real estate community as well as home buyers. Uh, the negative amortization mortgages were created back then that uh, obviously didn't work out real well for the consumer or for the lenders, but we were trying desperately to find some affordable house payments that people could make in 80, 81, 82, 83, in, in, that, in that range. But that really helped us build and create the mortgage brokerage channel because products were very, very difficult to bring to the Minnesota marketplace. The, the local savings and loans of local federally chartered banks, you know, they had what they would put in their portfolio, but the secondary market wasn't nearly as established as it is today. So a company like Bell was able to make arrangements with lenders that weren't currently in Minnesota that wanted to acquire the servicing in Minnesota and then allow us to offer their products, which we, almost all of them were some type of an adjustable rate uh, to get the early payments relatively lower. But that was probably uh, the baptism under fire for sure with the rates that high. Um, but we listened to the real estate community. We kept trying to bring products to, to them that, would, that made sense and we all got through it. Uh, and, but rates stayed above 10% for quite a few years. Mm -hmm. And now of course the last 10, 12 years, uh, they've been under five. Well, we talk an awful lot about the affordable housing challenge here nowadays, and that certainly is a, a big issue. But when you think back to then, when you had the double-digit mortgage rates and so on, that was that was quite a challenge too, wasn't it? Yeah, for for sure. Uh, and it just took some creative approaches to it. Uh, of course, it was it slowed the real estate community down, the industry down, and the new construction industry down dramatically. Uh, but People just like the subprime meltdown, if you will, we, we all got through it and got smarter and wiser and uh, listened to our customers more and more and kept trying to create products that uh, met their needs then and now. Mm -hmm. 
what was that subprime meltdown like for for you back in because that was um before you sold to uh the state bank and trust in fargo right mm -hmm. uh it, it was a challenge for us because we were always we always consider ourselves a real ethical boutique lender that was just all about customer and and service mm -hmm. we didn't feel many of those products were were really consumer friendly the biggest difficulty we had during during the subprime era is keeping our salespeople because we didn't offer most of the products uh, that that most and many lenders did, and it was real hard when their real estate referral sources said, "Come on, you know we've got to have a stated income. We've got to have something that allows this and allows that," and it kind of went contrary to underwriting standards for so of so many years. So we we avoided it to a great extent. We didn't get hurt by it. We certainly did some versions of it as aggressive as we felt was responsible. Um, but we we're pretty, pretty happy that we made it through uh, what's kind of an interesting and, and a successful thing that, that we look at is when, when we got into the mortgage banking uh, and ownership in, in 1980, um, there's not one company left from 1980 that, mm. that's a non-bank. So Bell is the only name <laughs> that is still out in the marketplace. And the subprime era took an awful lot of lenders nationally and local um, out of the business. It just seems like the big players are out there now, the Wells Fargo's and so on. You know, it just seems like they, they're dominant now. And it, did it always, was it always that way? You know, funny you bring that up because yes, uh, and that was part of the challenge and part of the fun being somewhat nimble and it was certainly small relative to any of those kinds of companies. It was always fun competing with them. Um, they would always have a void in their product line or in their level of service. Um, didn't have the same personal touch. Uh, didn't have the same salespeople. Uh, they I don't want to be disrespectful, but to some extent, the banks that were back then were somewhat of an order taker that if you came into the bank, we would take care of you. Well, we had straight commission, hardworking salespeople out uh, uh, doing seminars for home buyers, working with the real estate community and educating clients. So we uh, rolled our sleeved up, sleeves up as a, an industry, speaking about the mortgage brokerage industry at that time, and uh, Bell competed very favorably. Uh, and we turn around and sell loans to Wells. Uh, back then it was Wells Banco and it was uh, Northwestern National Bank. And yeah. way back was Iowa Securities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so and we, yeah. we sell, we would sell to U.S. Bank. We would sell to Wells Fargo mm -hmm. as well. Okay. Well, great. Well, uh, where do you see the future of this uh, industry going now? Um, what, what's your outlook? Well, the outlook is there's a lot of entrepreneurial spirits and hardworking folks that are trying to solve affordable housing as well as the housing finance in general. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, these are uncharted times, but we they were in, in 80 and they were. So we'll get through these times as well. Uh, take good care of our employees, take good care of our customers, listen. It's like everything else in the world right now, we just all got to listen a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And if we, if we truly listen to our customers, our our customers are our employees as well as the real estate and building community and, and the home buyers themselves. So uh, we get, we'll get through it and, and, and uh, do a good job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So you're still a, a consultant for uh, State Bank and Trust? Is that? For the, yeah, for the balance of this year, the straight commission salespeople are a different uh, breed, if you will, for a bank. So it it's taken some time for them to get the concept of what makes salespeople tick. Uh, on that level, it was kind of unusual in a banking environment. So uh, I've been consulting with the salespeople and, and kind of a liaison between uh, bank management and salespeople. But it's, it's, uh, we had a great uh, uh, succession plan in, in place. We've got good young leaders that are out there with tons of energy and, and uh, the bank is growing by leaps and bounds and the mortgage company is very, very successful. And, and it's uh, customer service has not suffered at all. Okay. So what uh, are are you are you from the uh, Twin Cities area? What's your uh, did you? I'm from a small town in northern Minnesota called Bina, South Shore Lake, Winnipegosh. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not many people are from Bina because it's pretty small. <laughs> yeah. And lived in Little Falls for a number of years. Mm -hmm. uh, moved to the Twin Cities. And I think it was probably 67, 66, 67. Okay. And uh, went to school here in town and. Uh, uh, decided to go right into the workforce as opposed to go the college route. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, what have we been up to now in the retirement? I understand you do a lot of volunteer work. Well, we always have. That's always been a, a core uh, value of, of Bell and all the people that work with us at Bell, uh, giving back to our community. We pretty much uh, uh, really adopted a, a group called Simpson Housing Services. Um, they advocate for people experience homelessness. We're in the housing business, seem like a natural. We've been, we've been working with them for 30, 32 years from the day they opened the first shelter. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's been a marvelous relationship and partnership. And uh, Bell continues to this day, and my wife Karen and I continue to this day being involved with Simpson. Um, when I first moved to the Twin Cities, I found the Boys and Girls Club, which was really important to me at that time. And uh, so I was a club kid for years and, and went on the board in 1980 and I was on the board for about 30 years of the Boys and Girls Club as well and continue to do uh, some work in the Boys and Girls Club arena. Um, we've got 11 grandchildren uh, scattered about. Uh, so between Minneapolis and Bozeman, Montana, mm. and uh, we do a, a little traveling, a little, little real estate investing in Montana. Mm -hmm. So we're in, we're in a very good chapter. Great, great. Well, I wish you well in, in your uh, retirement and in, in all your endeavors. And so, and, and thanks for joining us today. Um, really, really fun chatting with you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Gary. Take care. Thank you for listening. And please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.